If you would, please turn in your Bible with me to the very familiar passage in Psalm chapter number 23. You can remain seated for the reading of the Lord's Word today. But Psalm chapter number 23, often read at funerals, but not really a, a, a funeral psalm. This is a, a psalm for life. We're going to try to get through a few verses today. The Lord kind of laid this passage on my heart, and I know many times you might, uh, you might say, well, why do we need to hear another sermon on Psalm 23? Uh, and, you know, I heard one pastor say it this way. He was, he was in the back at, after preaching a sermon. He was a black preacher from, uh, from California. His name was S.M. Lockridge. And uh, he said, you know, every year, you know, I go through and I, I'll preach something that maybe I've preached before. And somebody will, somebody will come out the back door and say, no, 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 pastor, you know, I, I already heard that one before. And uh, the pastor said, uh, yeah, and if it didn't bear repeating, I wouldn't have preached it in the first place. <laughs> But there's, the Bible is an inexhaustible book, and I think there's things we can learn from it every time we consider it. We'll try to get through verses number 1 through 3 today, but we'll read the whole psalm. The Bible reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this wonderful hymn in the Hebrew songbook. I thank you for the comfort that it brings. I pray, Lord, that you'd take the preaching of your word today, and that you'd work it into the hearts of people. I pray that it would be an encouragement to the believer. I pray, Lord, that it would be a, a convicting power in the life of the, that one or those who have never believed on your name, those who cannot say, along with the psalmist, that the Lord is their shepherd. I pray that today might be that day where that decision is made to believe on the Lord Jesus. And Father, I just pray that you'd help me as I preach. Uh, hide me today, Lord. Protect me from things I shouldn't say. And bless this service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Some people would like to think, and, and the Bible doesn't declare when David wrote this in his life. Some believe that David wrote this as an older man, looking back on life, and we know that David lived a very full life. We've been preaching through the books of First and Second Samuel uh, on Sunday nights. We're probably not going to pick up on the book of 2 Samuel tonight. We'll be back in 2 Timothy this evening, but um, David's life was certainly full. And I, I suppose I could see the perspective of someone who believes that perhaps David wrote this at the end of his life, and he was looking back over all the, the twists and turns that his life had taken, and he said that the Lord, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I prefer to believe that David wrote this when he was a young man. I, I believe that this truth overwhelmed his soul 
as he took care of his father's sheep. You might remember how that David was a shepherd for his father. The Bible talks about David being a mighty man of valor and a man of war, and, uh, but he took care of his father's sheep. When Samuel came to anoint the next king, they didn't even call David to, uh, to, to the house to, at the meeting of Samuel. He was out taking care of the sheep, and God saw something in David. He said that this young man was a man after my own heart. David was a picture of a good shepherd. You might remember that a lion came and, and took the sheep out of the flock, out of the fold, and David went after that lion. And he also went after a bear, and he delivered the sheep from the mouth of the lion and the, the mouth of the bear. I mean, David was the picture of a good shepherd. I, I've given an illustration before as I was in Michigan. I, 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 I was raised in the city. I wasn't raised in the country. And I, I knew very little of hunting until I turned 16 when I was introduced to hunting by the Burick family. They took me to northern Michigan, and uh, they taught me how to shoot a bow and arrow, and uh, taught me how to shoot a gun, and um, we, we learned to hunt. By the way, that which we hunt for, we, we eat. Okay, so if you're against eating meat, then I understand if you'd like to be a vegan. I, I'm not opposed to you, um, you know, and I'm not going to get into a whole lot of discussion about that. I know that there are a lot of people that are in our world today who believe it's somehow immoral to kill a deer and, and put it in the ministry. I am not one of them. Uh, as a matter of fact, I eat cows, I eat chicken, I, I eat deer, I, I eat lots of meat, and uh, I'm thankful for them. I also believe that the fish were put here for us, thank the Lord, and if Jesus was good enough to eat fish, then I'm good enough to eat fish. One day the Lord's going to prepare me a table up there in glory land. And, and when Jesus came in his resurrected body, he made some fish over an open fire. And I bet that was the best fish those disciples ever tasted. Because our Lord's a good cook. And I don't know how you, you like it or not, but, I, you know, I, I just, I, I remember going out to a hunting blind and uh, they told me, just follow the footpath. You'll be able to see the footpath in the dark. Don't even turn your flashlight on. And I remember as a 16-year-old young man with a 30-06 on my shoulder, <laughs> walking in the dark, and there had been some, some stories about bears and stuff in that area. And I want to tell you something. I heard some stuff moving at the top of the trees. And with a 30-06, I wasn't too comfortable. And David didn't have a 30-06 when a bear came and took his sheep away or a lion came. David was a good shepherd. He was a picture of a good shepherd. And I believe as a young man, this truth overwhelmed his soul that he said, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, one of the things that the shepherd would do for the sheep was he would protect the sheep. He, he viewed it as his greatest job to protect those sheep. A, a good shepherd is somebody who would watch the needs of the sheep and lead the sheep to areas of life that are areas of a, a pasture that, that they could be nourished. And so David said that the Lord is my shepherd. That's a, that's a great thing to think about. Now, there was a time in my life when I could not say that the Lord was my shepherd. I could not say that the Lord is a shepherd, somebody who got to lead the sheep. You know, sheep weren't known for being a smart creature. They're, not, they're very stubborn, and they're not, they're not smart. They're, they're defenseless creatures. So unless someone was watching over them, they would, they would die or they would, become, they would become malnourished. A shepherd would have to take care of the needs of the sheep. 
There was a time in my life when I couldn't say that the Lord was my shepherd before I got saved. There was also a time in my life after I was saved where I was not following the leadership of my shepherd. I, I was a sheep that had gone astray. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We are like sheep. We have all gone astray. All of us should be able to understand that from the scripture. But David was overwhelmed with this thought, and he said that the Lord was his shepherd. And, and I don't know if you can understand fully the magnitude of that comment, and maybe throughout our lives we'll, be get, we'll begin to understand what the Lord being our shepherd, what it should mean to us. But we live in an awful big world. You ever been to the top of a building or up in an airplane and you were looking outside the window and you were seeing what was very big and tall buildings that looked like a little speck? I remember I was uh, staying in Louisville, Kentucky at a place called the Galt House. It's a real nice hotel. I was preaching in a church. It was, uh, it was a church had a black pastor. He's my friend. And he said, where are you staying, preacher? I said, I said we're, we're staying at the Gold House. And he said, ooh, swanky. <laughs> and I'd never heard that before. And, and, and I said, what does that mean? And he said, that's fancy. And it's a, it's a tall hotel. It's a big, tall, kind of a skyscraper in, in Louisville, Kentucky. And I remember coming outside that building, and it was so tall, I was struggling to see the very top when I walked outside the building. And I saw an airplane above in the sky when I was out that morning. And a thought came over me that day from the Psalms, which says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? and the son of man that thou visitest him. That big old airplane was just a little, it was like I could put the tip of my finger up and cover up that airplane. Who am I that the Lord would look in on me and touch me with his truth, would show me how much he cared about me. You know, we live in a very big universe. Me and Brother Mark were talking this morning with our security team. Brother Mark came in a little bit early and helping me in my office, and me and Chester were sitting down drinking a fine cup of, of coffee that came from Mexico. I mean, that's another thing that I enjoy is coffee. And uh, I, I brought back some coffee from Mexico. It was, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a real experience in my office now, and uh, I really enjoy it. And if you'd ever like to enjoy a cup of coffee with me, I invite you to come drink coffee. And uh, we were talking this morning about the sun. You know, the sun is one of the smaller planets in the solar system. Sun's awful big to us. You know, if the sun was closer to the earth, we'd get burned up, or if it was further away from the earth, we would freeze in the cold. You know, if the moon was a little bit closer to the earth, the tides would be a whole lot more. We, we, would, we would have no, no, no earth at all. The water would overrun the, the dry land. And if the, the moon was further away, it'd be, be doing some other things. I'm just saying that this planet was beautifully and wonderfully made. And to think that the God of all the universe, the God that, helped, that, that put up 250 million by 250 million stars, and that's just what we know about because we have a Hubble telescope and these other modern, you know, things that have come around in this generation, still mankind has not been able to number the stars. And to, and to think that God Almighty wants to have a relationship with us. 
to where we could say along with David, the Lord is my shepherd. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Who are we that God would do that for? We serve a great God. He wants to make himself known to people. And I want to tell you today, if you don't know the Lord is your shepherd, you can know the Lord is your shepherd. He doesn't want you to live another minute, another second without being able to say, along with David, the Lord is my shepherd. You take him for yourself. The Lord doesn't force himself on people. He will not force you to get saved. He will make himself known to you. And I want, I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves every person on this planet, and he loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2,000 years ago, this man Jesus lived in this world, and he had the government on his shoulder. And at the end of his life, he laid himself down as a sacrifice, as a substitute for you. He shed his blood so that you might be forgiven of your sin. I'm here to tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus still works in the lives of people today. God is still saving people. And if you're not saved, it will not be God's fault that you don't get saved. If you're not able to say at the end of your life that the Lord is your shepherd, it will not be the Lord's fault if you reject him. The Lord wants you to know him, and he wants you to know him as your shepherd. Jesus said that he is the good shepherd, that he gives his life for the sheep. Now, I did not grow up in a farming community. As I told you, I grew up on Dale Street in East Detroit, Michigan. Occasionally, my mother would grow tomatoes in the backyard in a little garden area. I took care of a little rabbit in the days of my youth named Scamper, and I remember finding Scamper dead one morning as a child. It was my first touch with death. I remember putting a little hole in the backyard and, and watching my mother put that little rabbit in the ground. And I remember going inside the house and burying my, my face inside of the pillow because of the, the pain of losing a pet. But I couldn't tell you a whole lot about being a shepherd, about watching over a flock. I've read some books from guys that I was actually reading a book this morning as I prepared for, uh, for the sermon just to, by way of just, I wanted to read the perspective of somebody who might have owned, the, owned sheep. This man was talking about uh, providing for, he bought 30 ewe lambs. He had to mark those lambs as his own. Because in the Eastern culture in which they lived, they had to be able to mark those sheep that belonged to that particular shepherd. And they, he, he was saying how that when you were coming up on a, on a pasture land, you could tell which sheep belonged to which shepherd because of a mark that they had put in the ear of that sheep. And he was talking about how he, he had spent a good deal of money paying for these 30, these 30 little lambs. He said there was a special connection between him and his sheep. He wanted to take care of his sheep. Which leads us to the next comment. Not only did David say that the Lord was his shepherd, and we believe this took place at the beginning of his life as he was taking care of his sheep. He, was, he, he said, I'm their shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. He was trusting the Lord for his leadership in his life. He was trusting the Lord to lead him in certain places. And then he said, I shall not want. Now, what's that all about? What is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, some people would like to liken this to physical things or the, the needs that you have day to day. And I'm sure it covers some of it. The food that we eat, the shelter that we have. But let's not, for, let's not forget for one second now that David, 
I don't know what that sound is coming from this thing. I'll tell you what. (laughs) We'll figure it out. Don't forget for a second that David knew the times of want. You don't think David knew some times of want after he killed Goliath on the battlefield and they started singing songs about David in the street. Saul got jealous of him and David refused to lift his hand to the man that was anointed to be king before him. And David spent years of his life on the run from Saul and he lived in caves. Read Psalm chapter number 34 where it talked about there was a cave that David dwelt in, the cave of Adullam. There were times of his life where he was literally running from city to city trying to find shelter and what he was going to do next. If you think for a second that David didn't understand what it was like to be in want, you're wrong. The prophet Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain. In 1 Kings chapter number 17, he announced to that wicked king Ahab that it wasn't going to rain except for according to his word. And the Bible says that he was going to, God told Elijah to go and hide himself by the brook. And not too many days after he gets out to the brook and the ravens are feeding him, the brook dries up. You don't think Elijah knew what it was like to be in want? John the Baptist told Herod that it was wrong for him to have his brother's wife. And he was thrown in prison for preaching it. And in prison he doubted whether or not who Jesus was. And he he sent messengers to Jesus and said, are you the one that we're looking for? And Jesus said, you go back there and you tell them all the stuff you saw. And John the Baptist knew it. I want to ask you a question. You don't think John the Baptist ever knew what it was like to be in want? The apostle Paul was saved on the road to Damascus and and Jesus told Saul at that time what great things he was going to suffer for the name of the Lord. You know how many times he was stoned and beaten and thrown in prison and shipwrecked and a day and night in the deep. You don't think, you, you think there were people feeding him when he was floating on boards in the ocean? No, we know what it's like to be in want. We need to have a a balanced view of what we're talking about in the Scripture. David was talking about spiritual things, and he was talking about the subject of contentment. How many times have we seen God's people? God's people go through great poverty. And I, I, I remember in 2008, I was a part of a church that had a lot of contractors. I'm going to tell you something. The altars were filled every week. In 2008, we we had quite a recession where we were living in Missouri. And all the work started drying up. And there were some men that were working in that church, and they didn't have enough work to provide for their families. And they were hoping that they could get enough money to pull together for their house payment. And they were just scraping the bottom of the barrel. And we saw those men hit the altar week after week. But when they got up, they got up trusting God. And they were willing to work, and they were willing to do whatever. I remember my dad working for $3.15 an hour in the early 1980s, and he was cleaning out sewers. You know why he was cleaning out sewers? Because he didn't want the government putting food on our table. He wanted to put food on his own table. And God gives men and women the ability to work like this. If you have the ability to work, there could be a time that we come into in our lives when we've been put on a shelf and we can't work anymore. And I'm sure that there are people here who are in the same case. But I'm just here to tell you, we should, Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state he, he was in. He, he learned to be content. I shall not want has to deal with being in contentment. 
And there's some people in this American culture and they can't get enough. They get this and they want something else. They get a house, they want a bigger house. They get a car, they want a bigger car. And they're never content, they're never satisfied. They can't say, I shall not want because they've never had contentment in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I've seen some of the happiest people were some of the poorest people that I grew up around. I thank God that I didn't come from great riches. I thank God we had to do paper routes to get through our lives. We got up early in the morning and we delivered papers to people every day, seven days a week, even Sunday mornings. We'd get up and have to stuff those papers. If there was ever a day that I hated delivering papers, it was on Sunday when it snowed in Michigan. We had to deliver these big old heavy papers and they had to stuff those things with all the comics and the sales papers. But I'm going to tell you something, right around Christmas time there were some people who really appreciated us getting them their paper by 5 in the morning. And if you were somebody like me, you liked playing softball and you were throwing papers up there and they had them sheet metal doors back in those days. And if you overthrew that paper, you'd wake up the whole neighborhood. Bang! I don't even know how some of them people gave me a tip. We had to work for everything. But I want to tell you something. Some of the best days of my life was when we were poor. We had everything. We had a dad that loved us, a mom that loved us. We were heading on down to the Lord's house in a beat-up old Parisian. And if you don't know what a Parisian is, it's one of them rear-facing old long cars with a rear-opening tailgate and the boojack boys running out of the back after bloodying each other's noses. <laughs> but we had everything. Truly, we were content. We were poor, but we didn't know it. We had every, our, our parents made sure we had everything we needed. And I'm just thankful today, and I, I just want to say this, with the Lord as your shepherd, you'll be content too. Right. I was reading in this book this morning, this guy was talking about going over to his neighbor's yard and talking about what a, what a garbage shepherd he was. He said, his, he said this guy built no shelter for his sheep, and he could care less how the sheep were doing, and he wouldn't take the sheep on down to the still waters, and he wouldn't make sure that they ate in a green pasture. He just left them wherever it was that they were. They were, they were there was no refuge in the cold. There was no refuge from the storms. The, the brown grass everywhere. He wasn't making sure that they got to a green pasture to where they could, they could feed adequately, and he, he would think, man, this, this, my neighbor is doing an awfully bad job at taking care of these sheep. And it kind of reminded me of how the devil's treating people who follow him. If some people could get really a good look at how the devil's feeding them, they would realize they're getting crumbs that fall from his table when the Lord's offering steak and potatoes. As I told tell you, you know, changed my life to be able to go to the jails in my younger days and, and preach to the common man in our town. And it would, it would really hurt my heart to see how many of our young people in our communities had given their lives over to drugs. And I'm just here to tell you, in these last few minutes this morning, I promised you I wouldn't preach long if you said amen. And some of you are saying amen plenty for this morning's message. But I'm here to tell you, young people, something when any, and somebody ever offers you pills, somebody ever offers you something to put in your arm or put in your nose, you need to say no to it. You don't know if it's for your life. There's something called fentanyl running through the United States of America, and people take one pill, and it looks like a little piece of candy, and it can put you out into eternity. I'm here to tell you there's a reason to say no. The devil's using it to entrap people. I saw mothers and fathers who were 
in jail. Mothers and fathers who need their children needed him. And I was getting a chance to preach to him at jail. And there were some times where I'd see these guys. I preach hope. I try to preach hope about the Lord Jesus Christ. Had a man come up to me one time and he, he was shaking and he put his hand on my chest. He said, pray for me. I'm addicted to heroin. And I said, I don't have any idea what you're addicted to, sir. I've never tried that and I don't intend to. I said, but I still believe that there's hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some things you don't need to experience, young person. And if you're dabbling with that as an older person, you need, to, you need to repent and get some things right. I want to tell you something. It's the devil who will get you to say, oh, yeah, this is going to be great for you. Go ahead and try this. I had a daughter one time working at the Waffle House, and they were saying, you don't know what you're missing unless you try this methamphetamine. My own daughter just trying to work and provide for herself. And somebody's out there saying, you're missing out. Yeah, you're, you're, you're missing out all right. You're missing out on what it's like to be completely hooked on a drug that's so powerful it'll take you out of a house and put you into a cardboard box. Take all the teeth that you have in your mouth and and rot them out. I'm just here to tell you there's a lot of people that are out there today and they're tied up with all this drug and this drug world. And I'm here to tell you there's freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you young people, you don't even need to try that. You don't even need to go down there. You know what the the devil's feeding people with these crumbs. The Lord's offering people a great pasture to, to be in. You know, I've had a simple life before. My life is a little more complicated now with all the things we have going on. I want to say something to you. I'm still, I could say along with David, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. I've not had want of anything. Spiritually, when I took a drink from the Lord Jesus Christ, he satisfied my thirst and I've never thirsted again. Jesus said to that woman who was at the well, he says, if you drink of my water, you'll drink of this and you'll never thirst again. And if you don't know eternal security and your salvation, if you're sitting around in a works-based salvation and you're trembling as to whether or not you're still saved after you have a thought you shouldn't have or you do something you shouldn't have, I'm telling you that the Lord will deliver you from torment when he brings justification your way. You shall not want. You'll never thirst. I hope and pray you're content today with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say this, a verse, and we didn't take time to develop, verse number two, we'll probably get back to there, but I want to say this, he restores our soul. David said, he restoreth my soul, the restoring of the soul. Why would a soul need to be restored? How about this, stress? Has stress ever taken something away from your soul? You're so stressed out, you just feel like you're at a point. Have you ever got to a place where life was too much and you just felt like you couldn't do it? I'm here to tell you, without the Lord, you can't do it. You remember Elijah? He got upset with the response of Ahab and Jezebel, and an angel came down there and said this to Elijah, who was one of the greatest prophets of all time. He said, the angel said, arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for thee. And the journey's too great for you. How about wounds? Have you ever been wounded? (laughs) You ever had a knife in your back? You ever had somebody who called themselves your friend to say something so hurtful to you? Or somebody that called themselves your friend decided that they would believe the worst about you without even talking to you and turn their back on you and you actually loved that person and you had to deal with the fact that they had rejected you. Has, has, has your soul ever needed to be restored? Has your Jesus, has your shepherd ever said, here, take a drink of this? 
wounds and battles and sometimes thirst. Sometimes we've been in a dry and a thirsty land and we're saying, Lord, give me that drink of water. It's not a drink for salvation, but it's a drink of relief because the world can just take its toll upon you. And if God's people like Elijah could go through it, so can you. There could be somebody here today with a truly a broken heart. And the hurts of life and the betrayal that's taken place and a broken relationship and something that's wounded you so badly that perhaps you're callous towards it. Sometimes people who grow up in church, they have some deep pains because people at church can hurt you. I wouldn't be in church today if I had my eyes on people. I really wouldn't. The only reason I'm in church today is because the Lord saved my soul. And I've tried my very best to keep my eyes on the Lord. It's been hard at times, especially with the pain and the affliction that comes. But I'm just here to tell you that if you need a restored soul, you've come to the right place. You can come to the Lord, the great shepherd. He, he's a great person to restore your soul. The symptoms of a soul that needs to be restored, maybe it's a lack of fire, a lack of fervency, a lack of joy, a problem-focused life instead of a God-focused life. How about you? You've been to the great physician. Is there joy that you have in your soul about your relationship with Christ? I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ loved you so much that he crossed over a bloody brook and laid himself down on a cross and said, go ahead, nail me to this cross. And he did that for you. He loved you. He called you his friends. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friend. Aren't you thankful for Jesus today? I hope and pray that you can say, along with the psalmist, that the Lord is your shepherd. If you don't, if you can't, I'm here to tell you, if the Lord's working in your heart, you say, Pastor, I don't know everything there is to know about this. I want to say this, you don't have to know everything there is to know about Jesus, but what you do need to know is that he died for you on Calvary's cross, and he invites you to believe on him for salvation. You say, but I don't understand all the terms. You know what? I didn't understand what the term justification meant when I got saved. I just knew I was lost and needed to get saved. I didn't understand even what the word repentance meant when I got saved. I want to tell you something. When I came down to to meet the Lord at the altar, I said, Lord, I don't want my life without you anymore. It was the attitude of repentance. I want to hear to tell you something. You don't have to know everything about the Bible to get saved. But what you do need to know is that Jesus Christ came to this earth as a perfect man. He never sinned, and he laid down his life for you. He shed his blood so that you might be forgiven. If you're lost today, I hope today you'll get saved before it's eternally too late. You'll be able to walk out these doors. If you were lost coming in, you could be saved going out, and you could say along with the psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd. Let's stand together. We're going to have a verse of invitation this morning. We thank you for your kind attention. Everybody listened so well. If the Lord spoke to your heart today, and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. If you're feeling that the Lord is leading you to get saved, you just need to step out of the aisle, come down here, talk to me. I'll, I'll... take the Bible and show you how to be saved and you don't have to make a decision right here during this invitation but you can 
An invitation is just that. It's an invite. There are people here today, I, I don't know your names. I don't know your background, your pedigree, where you come from. But God knows. And maybe he spoke a word to your heart today. Maybe there's somebody here today who's needing a restoring of the soul. You're one of the Lord's sheep, but you're heavy-hearted. You need that cold drink of water from the Lord. You need a restoring of the soul from the battles, the stress, the wounds, the thirst, the broken heart, the betrayals, whatever it is that's taking place in your life. Somebody hurt you. Let the Lord Jesus restore your soul. Brother Earl's going to sing this first verse. Everybody keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you'd like to come down to the altar and pray, as Brother Earl sings, won't you come? Come on now, if the Lord spoke to you. These others have come. Some need to be here. Won't you come?
to call Brother Daniel Flores up to the pulpit. He's going to dismiss the service in prayer and uh, really appreciate all the sacrifices that Brother Daniel and Sister Michelle make for the church. Come on up here, Brother Daniel. We appreciate him. He's our youth pastor. He does a lot of work around the church. And uh, really, we're just we're thankful to have people on staff here that are so dedicated and uh, who love the Lord so genuinely. And uh, I think I speak on behalf of the entire church. We're very thankful for the Flores family. Brother Daniel, if you would... uh, He's not wanting to take none of the Lord's glory, but it is okay to clap for people who serve the Lord. And uh, Brother Daniel, you close the service in prayer, please. Thank you, Pastor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. Lord, that we're reminded that we can come to your throne of grace, and your word says that we can come boldly. Lord, help us uh, this morning. We, we thank you for the message. We thank you, thank you that you are our shepherd. Lord, we thank you for the leadership here at Metropolitan Baptist Church. We thank you for our congregation. And Lord, if there's anyone here that does not know you, I pray, Lord, that you'll do work in their hearts. And Lord, that they'll realize that they need you in their life. And Lord, I pray that you continue to use us for your glory. Lord, that we could reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.